Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. Welcome. I am Minister Ginger London. Welcome to the Ginger London Show. I'm so excited because, as you know, we are doing a celebration for National Women's History Month, and we are interviewing women and uh, recognizing women who are trailblazers. That's the theme this year for the national campaign. And so I just stayed in line this year with the national campaign, so I found some trailblazers who are making history uh, in the earth today. And so our theme is Trailblazers, Recognizing Women Who Are Leading the Way Professionally, Spiritually, and Personally. So I'm excited about it, and I'm always excited. This is our sixth um, annual celebration. Um, I'm just blessed and honored to be able to have a platform for women to come on and talk about things that they've overcome in life, Maybe they're entrepreneurs, maybe they're authors, uh, maybe they're great in their industry, in their profession, maybe they're still in corporate America, teaching in school, whatever it is. Or maybe they have just a great, powerful testimony to share with the earth uh, in the world. And so I'm just excited. So today, featured on the show today is Trailblazer Nettie Johnson. She is a wife, a mother, author, speaker. Christian educator and a certified health coach, um, and she's committed to helping adults grow in spiritual and physical stewardship. Um, She's a formal technical trainer. Um, She developed a passion for health education and promotion during her 10 years with the nation's leading uh, weight loss company, which which is uh, Weight Watchers International. And we've all heard of Weight Watchers. We've all been in front of the television talking about, I'm going to do it one day. I'm going to do it one day. (laughs) You know, um, her work in training, uh, business development, and operations management on local, state, and national levels impacted thousands. And uh, today uh, we're going to meet her. We're going to talk to her. She um, is the founder of Nettie Johnson Faith and Fitness Services. It's a Christian wellness organization providing a science-based, faith-empowered approach to health and wellness. And her first book, which I'm excited about for her, is Put Your Faith Where Your Fork Is, and it outlines principles to inform and inspire the body of Christ towards healthy weight management. And we'll talk a lot about her book. Uh, She excels in the grassroots engagement of groups through faith and social uh, channels of education, support, and advocacy. She's an energetic speaker. She's a motivational leader. You know, she informs, she inspires, and coordinates um, local on the local and uh, regional levels. I'm just excited about her. You know, uh, she's been on the email list, and I've been following her for a couple of years now. And uh, when she did the book signing here, I just couldn't get to it because I had something going on at the exact same day and time. So I'm excited to be able to partner with her today. So welcome, Nettie. How are you? I am I am great, and I'm so thankful for the opportunity to um, to share with you and to speak. I, I think you're doing such um, wonderful work and putting such, you know, helpful content out to just help people to, to be better in their pursuit of whatever God has for them. So I thank God for you and this opportunity. Oh, blessings, blessings. And so we're going to get right into it because I know I want her to really um, have an opportunity to share with you what she wants to share. But before we do that, tell us about yourself and share your testimony with us. Oh, well, um, I was um, I was born up in Chicago, My, but I have very uh, deep southern roots. My parents are from uh, up the road here from Baton Rouge. My parents are from Amy County. Um, dad was from Liberty, Mississippi, and my mother was from Macomb, Mississippi. And so I had this southern upbringing uh, up in the city of Chicago. And how all of my upbringing played into what God has me doing now is that I was just born and raised with good down-home southern food. And um, like many people, um, 
that caused me to have a little bit of extra weight on me growing up. I was um, a heavy child, um, spent most of my life with extra weight. And because of my upbringing, I didn't really think anything about it because there were many members of my family that also carried weight. You know how we, we just say that we're thick or we're healthy. Um, we, we actually take that and, and wear it almost as like a badge of normalcy, in some ways a badge of pride. But I also noticed that in my family there was a serious sprinkling of chronic disease. Um, almost everybody either had hypertension or diabetes or both. There was heart disease, um, you know, artery, um, artery disease, all of these things related to how our lifestyle was, but I wasn't aware of that. And it was such to the point that I thought that as an African-American person, this is how I was thinking as a child growing up, when you get to a certain age, you're just going to pretty much be sick because everyone around me had something had medications that they were taking. And I just thought that that was part of natural living. Um, so when I was 17, I was away at school, and, and I got a call, first day of finals. I remember it very clearly. And it was an early morning call, and we always dread those. And my sister was on the other line, and when I picked up the phone, she just said, Daddy's dead. And I remember, <laughs> after collapsing and all that, I can remember just being in such shock with other members of my family because, in our minds, we didn't really think daddy was sick because, again, we thought that all of those things, that hypertension and all of those complications, we just thought that was part of life. I literally thought that that was normal. So I was like, wait a minute, he died? And what it came to understand as I got a little bit older in my 20s is that when I look back, I really don't in my lifetime ever remember my father having a sense of physical wellness. Daddy was sick for a long, long time, but we had thought that to be normal. Going forward a couple of years, um, I was diagnosed with a heart condition, and I, I remember looking at that, and I, I still always had extra weight on me, and I was saying, you know, if I don't do something to turn some of this around, I'm going to just repeat that same cycle, that same cycle of feeling bad, that same cycle of not having energy, that same cycle of being tied to medications and so on. So I said, okay, let me try to do something. And I started to try to do all of these things, trying to get healthy. You know, I'm trying to eat better, and I would go on and off diets. If you name it, I've tried it. I've done every diet made, not every, but pretty close to every yeah. existing diet. I even made some up myself. I can remember going one summer on a McDonald's fish fillet diet. Like, so all I would do is eat like a fish fillet, but I would take the cheese off, like crazy stuff, right? Each time I would lose weight but then the weight would come back. Every time I would join the gym, I'd get on this big, you know, you know, exercise, exercise. I'd lose weight, and then the pounds would come back with friends. And it got to a point, I was going through this cycle over and over and over again, that I actually caused damage to my gallbladder and had to have my gallbladder removed. And I remember the surgeon say, you know, that happened because of your back and forth, back and forth with your weight. And I was kind of like, so in my efforts to make myself better, I'm making myself sick. So I knew there had to be another way. Long story short, I've joined Weight Watchers for like the fifth thousand and decided that I was going to lose weight, and I was successful that time. And I started working with the company, first just really, really part-time, and then it soon moved on, and I, I moved from being a receptionist to a leader and then from a leader to being a regional trainer and from that to a territory manager. And by the time I left Weight Watchers, um, I was responsible for operations for the state of Texas for, for the organization. And I got to see thousands of people on their weight uh, loss journeys and people just struggling and just struggling. And the truth is, even though I was working at Weight Watchers and I was at a healthy weight, I was struggling. I thought about food too much. I thought about, I felt like every day was a battle. And I was like, Lord, you know, is this how you want us to live? Um, after I had my, our second child, my husband, you know, blessed me to be able to come home and to be home with my children. And I said, at this point, I was like, I was heavy again because I just had another baby. And I was like, okay, God, I'm tired of worrying about this. I'm just going to come home. I don't have Weight Watchers because when you work for Weight Watchers, you actually get weighed as part of your job. I thought that would kind of help me to, to be normal, but it kind of mm -hmm. had me a little bit, you know, erratic. And when I came home, I said, Lord, I'm just going to let it go. I'm going to eat and let the pounds come. I said, I'm tired of struggling. And I remember hearing very clearly that in my spirit, I struggle with weight. The Holy Spirit told me, you struggle with weight because you choose to struggle. 
what began to happen is I started to look at all of this information that I had amassed over like 30 years of literally being concerned about weight as a health issue and all of these things that I did in these diets that I tried. And I looked at how I never once really made the connection and put the truth and the emphasis behind that statement that my body is a temple. And when I started to not just make it be a scientific thing or a caloric thing or this is what I'm eating, when I really gave it over to God and made it a God thing and said, Lord, help me to treat my body in a way that is going to honor you, when I started to do that, changes that I knew that I should be making went from being a burden to a joy. And more importantly, I began to be able to do them with regularity. And I found that not only did I settle to a weight that is healthy and that I'm comfortable in and all of my numbers that, I'm, you know, that I've always kind of watched because of my family history, my, my sugar and my blood pressure, all of that settled in a beautiful, beautiful place, but I don't struggle. The biggest part about it is I don't feel it's a struggle. Because I surrendered that part to God. I stopped keeping him in the periphery, in the area of my health and wellness when it comes to my behaviors. And that made all the difference. And so what God laid on my heart is to, is to kind of just like a passion to help other people. We usually don't ask God about our health until we get sick. We don't ask him to guide our lifestyle choices and the things that we do that can ensure and protect our health. We wait until we get sick, and then we call on him as the healer. And so he is a healer, but some of that healing can also come in prevention. Some of that healing comes in the knowledge that he gives us and the empowerment that we have from the Holy Spirit to make choices that will help us to live in a state that is as healthy and as well as we can. And so that is what my passion is, um, and that's what my work is, and that's what I help guide people to do. Wow, I mean, that's awesome. You know, I, you just got me so excited. I lost track of the questions. <laughs> like, you were just flowing, so I'm like, wow, I'm sure everybody's blessed already. Just hearing that testimony, you know, I was going to ask you what were your struggles, um, what were some were your struggles, or well, we can bring it forward. You know, as a woman, since this is National Women's History uh, Month, you know, what are some of the challenges that either you've been faced with as a woman, but since you've been helping others, uh, what challenges have you seen other women uh, uh, become faced with on their journey, maybe of losing weight or just in life in general? Sure, sure. And, and I mean, I still have challenges as well. I think we all do. Particularly as women, you know, God chose women to be the vessel that nurtures life. I mean, think about how awesome that is. He chose yeah. us in our softness and our strength to be, to be the gender that life is birthed in and that it gets its nourishment and that it gets its encouragement. And even after the babies are born, we still nurture, right? And even if you don't have children, we are nurturers. We nurture relationships. We nurture programs and projects and, and outreach. And think about how women are, we are designed to be caretakers, right? And to, and to help things to grow and develop. And we wear so many hats. I'm sure there are women out here that are saying, yes, you know, I'm a mom, even if I'm not a mom, I'm a sister, I'm a daughter. The things that we do in church, the things we, we can't take care of so many other people, sometimes we forget to take care of ourselves. And I think that is the biggest challenge that women have is first that we sometimes put caring for ourselves and making sure that we're taking care of and putting some of that time, energy, effort, even financial resources, putting that into making sure that we are straight, <laughs> that we are well, because we're too busy doing things with other people. And so one of the things that I think that is really important is that women have to realize is that self-care is not selfish. Self-care is essential. We have to make it a priority and carve out time and whatever resources are needed to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves because in doing so, it's a way that we are, are honoring what God intends. You know, if you think about that scripture, when um, the Pharisees came to, to, to Jesus and they were saying, you know, well, what is the greatest commandment? And he said, we are to love the Lord by God with all their heart, with all their mind, all their strength, and we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. 
we often focus on, of course, loving God. And, and yes, that is most important. That's, that's preeminent. And then we go next to loving our neighbor. But notice that he says, love your neighbor as yourself. So to love ourselves is, is, is not really a command. It's an expectation because he's saying, guess what? That's the measure of how you're supposed to treat other people. But do we treat ourselves well? Do we take care of ourselves? That is the challenge that I, I'm asking women to look at. What self-care things do you do to make sure that you are as well and as capable and as able to do all of this work that you're so busy doing for the Lord and for God's people? Wow, wonderful. Like I said, I'm blessed already. That's a that's a good question. What self care are you are you steps are you taking? What are you doing? You know, all of us can look at that question who are women and, and go back in our lives for you know, present day. You know, because sometimes we do become overwhelmed with um, uh, taking care of everybody else and then we don't take care of ourselves. And then we're wondering why that is not coming back. Uh, towards us, you know, we give out and we, you know, we help you solve a problem and you solve a problem and, uh, you know, I watch your kids and I do this and I do that, but I I don't see it coming back. Or I say that, you know, when I sit down from an overwhelming day, I say, wow, okay, well, who's going to care for me? And never even answer the question a lot, I'll care for myself. Because I put all of my caring in other places and I, and I negate putting myself in the pot every day that no matter yes. how much I give out to anyone else, I need to be in the same giving out pot. My name needs to be in the pot. You know, I need to take care of That's myself right. even if I have to put me in. You know, I tell people all the time, schedule yourself in. Schedule a break with yourself. You know, so you may have to force yourself to put yourself in the in the routine of the day. You know, yes, I may have to go over here. I may have to go to work. Then I got to go uh, so-and-so want me to meet uh, her to talk about whatever her issue issues are, but throughout the course of that day, and it doesn't need to be at the end of the day because everybody can stop at the end of the day. Maybe during the middle of the day is when I need to care for myself to re-energize, become rejuvenated, and just to intentionally take care of myself because I can't, uh, honestly, I'm not going to love you the way that you, that God wants me to love you if I don't love myself the right way. Oh, that's exactly. awesome. Exactly. So and tell I us about... you use the word in I'm so, I love that you use the word intentional. We do have to be intentional about it. I think that it's so awesome that you said that. I think, and it doesn't always have to be big things. I mean, little right. things like making sure that we get enough sleep. And and I'm I'm going to talk about myself right now. This is something that I I really challenge myself, and and I have to. I even went and um, I have the Fitbit that you can wear that t- talks about your sleep cycle because I was yes. noticing that. I'm not getting enough sleep, and even when I was, you know, getting six to seven hours, how, how you know, fretful the sleep was. And, and some of the things, you know, we're rebuilding our house from the flood, and I have my business, and I have my children, and I have um, activity at church, and I have a part-time job. I, I mean, with all of these things, and I'm like, how in the world does all of this fit? This has to happen. And so that meant, well, what are the resources? I made, went and got, made sure I got a special pillow you know, that helped me to be a little bit more comfortable and invested in some sheets that, you know, I want to get in the bed and snuggle with and carved out that time to say, you know, at this particular hour, I'm going to go to bed. And if that means that I'm not going to be as as active in the social media channels in my business or I'm not going to be able to do some of these things, you know, you have to look at to set up your environment and then to set up your schedule but it all starts with the intention, and that's why I love that you said that. Then we take that and put it into line. And I even, you know, say, you know, I pray about it. You know, Lord, I'm not getting enough rest, and help me to have better sleep. And it's interesting how when I do that and I put, you know, music on or, or listen to things that settle me and worship and wake up and, and with worship with the word, it, it all kinds of comes together. But when I keep ripping and running and doing everything and taking care of everybody else, I wake up mad that I'm woke because <laughs> I'm still tired. <laughs> like, have you ever had that? You're like, man, it's yeah. more, you know, unhappy that God woke you up because you're so exhausted when I just really needed to carry my butt to sleep. So it, it, it's this kind of thing, having an intentional look at how we set up our lives and are we doing things that honor us. And I always tie it back to the Bible. Jesus slept. Think about the times when Jesus went and, hit yes. and he had to go and rest. You know, we need that as well. 
Absolutely. You know, it's funny, you know, and I'm saying this jokingly, great minds think alike because, you know, you mentioned a Fitbit. My sister said my mom and I have Fitbit. My dad got one now. So I wear mine, right? And so when it it does tell you, you know, about the your sleep pattern. And so uh, the first night that I that I had it on, I checked it, you know, after you sink it and all that stuff. And um, it said that I laid down the rest and I'm just make up, I'm going to make up the time. I laid down the rest, mm-hmm. it says maybe 11 p.m. You know, then it says zero minutes, you know, it tells you how many minutes it takes you to go to sleep, right? So I laid mm-hmm. down the rest, and then when I checked it, it says zero minutes to sleep. I must have conked right out, you know. That awesome. and it, <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I think it zero minutes to sleep, you know, so it's like, but now – Honestly, I can tell you I had to have a sleep test done one time, and the lady put all this garb on you while you do the sleep test, and she had put a Tyler Perry movie on. I think it was Good Deeds, and so she said, okay, turn the lights out. You watch the movie, and whenever you're ready to go to sleep, you just go to sleep. You know, I'm going to be watching the movie over here in the, where the, in the office with the monitors and everything. So she thought because I was watching the movie that I was probably going to wait until after the movie went off, you know, and then just go ahead and turn the TV off and go to sleep. So she started doing something else, you know, watching the movie. She said she turned around, looked at the monitor, and said, whoa, she is asleep. <laughs> She said within 10 minutes you were literally in a deep sleep. So, I mean, I don't know if that's just come from abnormality or I'm really tired. But, I mean, she said she couldn't believe it. She had to stop and say, oh, I can't do this. I got At that point, she had to start watching the monitor for whatever they'll be doing. But when that sleep, uh-huh. it said the exact same thing. It thinks it's zero minutes to sleep. But I must apparently I, I, I caught it. That. That's awesome. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> so you know, it's just I mean, you really have to. I, I, you know, I probably would have never on my own just bought or purchased a, a Fitbit. You know, I have friends mm-hmm. that have have it, but when my sister sent it to us and we started using it, we was like, well, wait a minute. Okay. So now we pay a little bit more attention. You know, uh, we were real good initially, as you know, but then now we mm-hmm. just wear it. You know, and we wait for that thing, that little ball, ball, that little, that little vibration you feel when you reach your five thousand steps. That's what we wait for. Yes. You know, yes. <laughs> we used to we used to record our waters. Well, we don't do that. You know, we used to put down mm-hmm. what we eat. Well, we fall in slack on that. And every week, you know, we say, when are we gonna get back on track? When are we gonna get back on track? And we just laugh it off. <laughs> okay, we're wearing the fitness. I understand. But... <laughs> I understand. So, I, mean, I understand. So tell us about um, your faith and fitness uh, services. Well, um, Nettie Johnson Faith and Fitness Services, we started um, the organization in 2012. Um, And basically, uh, under the umbrella, there is an umbrella of services. I provide speaking, uh, education services via books or in-person workshops or online trainings. Um, And I also offer coaching services, all centered around the areas of faith, food, and fitness. So basically, we explore different aspects of biblical truth and then move to practical application. So we're taking knowledge we know better and then put that knowledge into actionable steps so we do better with the event, the uh, purpose being so that we can live better, so that we can move closer to what God's potential is in whatever area it is. And I really love the group aspect um, when working with groups and also one-on-one coaching. I wish I had more capacity to um, work more one-on-one with individuals where we kind of delve in to, you know, how did, what, what is the plan that God has for you? What is your purpose? And what obstacles or things are hindering you from that? And then how can we take biblical truths, which is all of our strengths, apart from God, we can do nothing. And how can we take that and apply it by setting goals and being consistent in those goals so we move closer and closer towards that? So um, I work with individuals and groups and um, with that intent in mind. I absolutely adore the work that we're doing. Wonderful. So in that work, what are some of the challenges that you see women are faced with when it comes to health or either weight management? Are there any common struggles? Yeah. You know, one of the things that I found extremely interesting because, um, you know, weight is an issue in our nation in general. If we look at basic statistics, they say that 69% 
of adults in this country, in the United States, are overweight and obese. It's um, actually, you know, the CDC is calling it an epidemic. And for the first time in history, we see a time where if we continue along this path, um, they estimate that in the first time in modern history, our children will actually have a shorter life expectancy than we will or our foreparents did. And the reason is not because of guns or pollution or global warming. It's because of disease, chronic disease tied to lifestyle. Because of the fact that we eat poorly, eat too much, and sit too much, we are learning and having all of these medical advances that can keep us alive, but they're keeping us alive sick. But the bottom line is we're still not living as long moving forward because of these chronic diseases. So there has to be this change. You talked about trends. One of the things that I found really interesting is that when you take that and you drill down that overall number and we look in the body of Christ, they find that in the church, weight is actually a larger problem. They found that people that attend church are more than 20% overweight and have higher blood pressure and cholesterol than people who are not in church. And that's what really blew me away because we are connected to the master and creator, creator of all things. We have the Holy Spirit living within us. We have all of this direction to say our bodies are temples, yet we do not put the emphasis on taking care of our bodies. Sometimes we get so focused into um, spiritual aspects, but when it comes to our health, it's like we keep God on the periphery. And so I think that a really big trend is focusing on things that do not matter as much and leaving things that are tremendously important off on the wayside. Let me give you a quick example. We can look at the hair industry. The hair industry is a multi-billion-dollar industry. And think about how much time, energy, effort, money women spend on fixing their hair or buying hair and sewing it in and gluing it and coloring it and curling it and cutting it and doing all. We will spend so much money on makeup. We will spend so much money mm -hmm. on clothing. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with looking good and being beautiful. But what does all that mean if you feel horrible because you're not taking care of your health? If we could take some of this, I once heard um, um, a, a, a doctor, and she's a Christian, and um, she was speaking, and she was talking about, you know, how some people say, well, you know, I don't work out because it messes up my hair, or I don't do this because I, and she was like, okay, you can go on ahead and be beautiful in that casket. You know, sometimes we focus on external things. I mean, it, her statement was so true, it stuck with me. We focus on things that are not, that are really, really, really temporal. And the bottom mm -hmm. line is that our health really limits our purpose. When we don't have the energy, how can we be busy about the work that God has for us to do when we don't really have the energy, when we can't, we can't really get ourselves going and, and keep ourselves going because we're battling with conditions that are, not, that are preventable, um, Nobody has perfect health because these bodies are, are going to decay. They're not meant to last forever. We won't have a perfect body until Jesus comes back and we get that glorified body on the other side. But that said, there are things that we can do to take care of ourselves to, to, to prolong our energy and our wellness. And I think that if we focus on more of those things and allow some of the, the, the paint and prettiness to be secondary, we'd be in a much better condition. Absolutely. So we're on that note, let's talk about your book, Put Your Faith Where Your Fork Is. I love that title. So tell us a little bit about your book and how it all came together. The book um, is actually, it's every single struggle and challenge and things like that that I have lived. I'm not, this is not a book that comes from just stuff that I read or other people. I'm not somebody who, um, who never had this struggle and, you know, tries to share with people what to do. It's all of the struggles that I've had. And it's, it's actually things that I've heard that Holy Spirit say to me directly. Um, the book is divided into uh, four parts. And the first part is called Renew Your Mind, because I really do believe that when we get our mind right, other things will follow. You know, as a man thinketh, so is he. We, when we get uh, the mind and our perspective right, that that's a big part. So we look at aspects like um, separating fact from fiction. 
taking a realistic look at where we are when it comes to our health and wellness and what are the parts that we cannot control and what are the parts that we do have control, that God has granted us the ability to make some changes. If that means I need to stop smoking, if that means that I need to take my medications regularly, if that means drinking more water or eating it, it's looking at ourselves as an individual package to say, this is where I am, how can I be better, and what are the steps, the realistic steps that need to be taken, and, and, and changing the mindset around that, um, because I really do believe that health begins in the mind. The second part of the book goes into nourishing your body. So this is where, um, you know, 25, close to 30 years of my studying um, in the weight loss industry and, and training that I got when I became a certified health coach and the like comes into play. So I talk about foundations for healthy living. Um, and so there's some nutrition aspects in there, not very, very detailed, but all very practical things about, you know, eating more vegetables and what refined sugar does to your body and the importance of water. And there's a whole chapter in there about sleep because that's something that I still have challenges with. Um, and then there's aspects where I help people to, you know, put diets down and to um, create a food philosophy that is that is spiritually based on how you're going to eat and, and to, to get into that. And then the third part, I talk a good bit about food, about the blessing of food, because one of the things that we tend to do when it comes to food is we either put it on one or two and um, sometimes, and, and these are things that I, I have done, um, sometimes we personify food. We make food be our friend, it's our comforter. You know, we, we actually put it up on a pedestal in a way, and we give it these, these qualities that it, it means too much to us. That's not good because food, you know, is not a friend, you know. Um, that cookie is calling my name. No, it's not. It's a cookie. It doesn't have a voice. You know, we, we say these kinds of things. I, I can't live without, yes, you can. We, we, we give it too much power. Then on the other side, sometimes we get absolutely um, mindless about food. We don't realize the blessing of food. I don't know if you can relate to this, but if I am not mindful, if you give me a bag of cheddar cheese, caramel mixed popcorn, and a good TV show, I can sit down and I could take that whole thing in and not notice, can turn around and look and say, who ate the popcorn? It's all in me, but I didn't notice. Have you ever done that before? Have you ever just mindlessly consumed food and you don't even remember tasting it? Have you ever had that? Uh, kind of. Yeah. Not often. I do taste it, but, uh, yes, I have. Uh, I have that part about where did it go. <laughs> We either make food like the biggest thing in the world or sometimes we eat or we're in the car and we're not paying attention. And, and yeah. where I, I, I kind of help in this particular aspect is to value the blessing of food. Food is a gift. God gave us food not only to nourish our body but to enjoy. And so I take biblical principles to put us in that place where we learn to experience our food and to explore food so that we're enjoying it, but we're enjoying it in a way that is going to honor and nourish and help our bodies instead of hindering our bodies. So it's not about deprivation, but it's about finding that beautiful place of putting food in the place where it should be. Because for many people, food has become a stronghold in one way or another. And so that last part of that third section of the book kind of helps with that. And then the last section of the book is my favorite, and it's, it's entitled, the section is entitled Honoring God. How can we really remove God from the periphery when it comes to um, weight loss, weight management issues? How can we honor him with our bodies? I talk about fasting. I talk about the fact that um, we can't rely on our willpower or even our want power with God, with goals. We have to really rely on God's power, the power of the Holy Spirit, because apart from God, we can do nothing. If weight is a challenge, if we don't want to have it to be a struggle, we have to surrender this thing to God. Um, and then I also include in, in everything that I write, there's always that aspect of, um, you know, the plan of salvation in case there are any people that don't know him. And then there's a, a pulling it all together in a very individual and practical way. So it starts out with mind, then it goes into science, there's an exploration of food, and then there's these chapters about the spiritual, spiritual aspects of fasting, willpower, goal setting, and the power of God within us 
to help us go toward these goals, and it all comes to help people to just put this thing to rest and to get balance and enjoyment um, from their eating and, and have it be healthy for them at the same time. Well, I can tell you, you know, from experience, uh, certainly with the willpower, which you were saying about willpower and want power, you do need the power of the Holy Spirit to control and to to fortify, if you will, uh, those two dimensions of of your being. Because there are times when I've actually been fasting, and I just really, really like fried chicken. And there are times I've been fasting and know I was fasting. And for some reason, when I got around that chicken, I was like, oh, Lord, you know, and gave in, you know. Now, when I put my mind to it and, and, and let the power of God take over, I could just, I could fast and, you know, it doesn't bother me. But, like, some people have a craving for chocolate or they like certain other, you know, a lot of sweets and all those kinds of things, you know. And, and, and it comes as, you know, like little spurts, if you will. Though, though I do really like it, there are times I could pass it up. But then there are times where, I mean, I just crave it, you know, to some degree. And I and sometimes I could crave it and not even go out and buy it. But, you know, when you mentioned that about willpower and want power, you know, um, when you are fasting and when you are seeking God for direction, you really do have to pray for the Holy Spirit to take completely over. Because mm-hmm. uh, if you you know when you want what you want from that spiritual experience, then you'll let the Holy Spirit take over so that you can see that manifestation. So if it is losing weight, if it is revelation about your life, about your health, about your weight, how to uh, if it's directions, whatever you're doing, you know, uh, you know, and, and Jesus said, you know, some of these things go out through prayer and fasting, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sometimes when I talk to people about fasting, they they look at me probably like they look at you and they don't want to give up getting their hair done, you know. So, But there are things when we want to see a change in our lives. It goes back to what you said, the mindset. We have to make a conscious change in our thought life, and we have to start not just thinking differently, but if you think differently, you'll see differently. But those are the mm-hmm. two things. That I, I agree with you. You have to work uh, people have to work on that first before you can even commit a hundred percent to a weight loss a weight loss program or a training program. First, deal with your thought life about it. You know, what do I think about food? What do I think about weight loss? What do I think about the size that I am? Because you know, it may go back to what you said. If I in my family, if I'm always around, or I've always been around big people or people my size, whatever size that is. You know, I may think it's okay, and I know in my family, uh, you know, to some degree or really a lot, you know, it was it's okay until they see someone losing weight, and then they become alert, you know, like, wait a minute, I probably need to do the same thing, you know. As long as everybody's the same size, nobody says anything. But as soon as someone um, commits to a weight loss program or healthier living or better living, then everybody else perks up and wants to know, well, how did you get started? What are you doing? Are you are you on a program? Are you doing it yourself? You know, and those who are strong, I think when you start getting those type of inquiries from friends and family members is when you should do what, what Nettie's doing. Put your knowledge down somewhere so people can read, you know, and run with it and start changing their lifestyle and changing their uh, healthy uh the way their health, and I, I just think you putting it in a book, just you know, it's just awesome. I tell people all the time, I love books, and um, my personal original, if you will, uh, comment about book knowledge is, uh, it's, uh, book knowledge is another man's experience in written form, you know, mm-hmm. and thank God for it because. As you said, it's from your journey, and had you not put your journey down in order to help others, I may want that same journey, but may not have a clue where how to start that journey. Look at the maps that we have in order to get from Baton Rouge to Texas. You know, you know, before they had GPSs, we had to use road maps. You know, that's somebody putting down the route that you have to take in order to get from where you are in Baton Rouge to Chicago to New York to. Um, uh, Texas, whatever, in your car, you know. So I think when people write books like Nettie's book, it's a roadmap to take you from where you are and take you to where you need to be to have that experience where you're living better and you're more healthy. Um, um, so are you, Are you? When you say you're coaching, um, are you doing any kind of like training like uh, 
gym training or is the training just um, good, the mindset? Good question. Yeah, good, good question. Um, as a health coach, a lot of times when I say I'm a health coach, people immediately think personal training. Um, personal tra- Health coaching is different with, than personal training in that our main focus is on behavior modification. Mm-hmm. So as a health coach, um, I can create um, progressive uh, fitness programs where we start with certain numbers of exercises and we, you know, progress you in strength or flexibility or cardiovascular endurance or um, fat burning, whatever your goals are. I can create those. Um, I'm not a nutritionist, but I can give general food guidelines just uh, in line with what is uh, substantiated by the USDA that will be healthy. But more over what I do as a health coach is I am a person that comes on with um, my client's allied health team. So I encourage any clients that I work with, of course, to have a physician saying, okay, this is where you are, this is where you need to be. Um, If they have things that are like diabetes or hypertension where diet is important, we're going to make sure that we have nutritionist guidelines that we're going to follow with that. But where I step in is I deal more with helping with the knowing what to do, but really helping clients to break through whatever those strongholds are, those habits, those obstacles, whatever it is that prevents them from doing what needs to be done consistently such that it becomes a lifestyle. Health coaches are really designed around behavior modification. So when I work with clients, I work with clients very individually. Um, some of the programs, uh, you know, I have done things as much as some people, uh, their struggle is very much in their environment. So we'll go and do a kitchen makeover. Um, there are actual things that you can do in the way that your kitchen is set up, things from the size of your plates to the color of the plates that you put food in to whether or not you have a television in your area of eating, along with very specific things with what kinds of foods are you purchasing so that you're set up to cook more healthy. There's a science behind that that can set up your environment to support healthy eating. So I can work with clients in that area that's important versus helping a client to work through, you know, what are some of the the mindset changes that have to happen and how I look at myself. Is it such a struggle? Because if you think of this as a struggle, you're going to constantly, that's going to be in a, in a loop. Um, we can't struggle with, with the sense of our bodies for the rest of our lives. We have to come to a place of peace and a place with, understanding that this is something that is natural and these actions become habitual. So sometimes I work with them on self-efficacy, on, you know, increasing their ability to know that living in a way that's going to be good for your body is something that they can do. So it kind of goes in a lot of different aspects. Um, One thing that I do have coming up that is not as specifically driven towards your fill is in uh, part of my my, my work because, again, I, I'm trying to help people just live their God-given potential in all areas, and health and wellness is one aspect. But um, I have a, a workshop on the first coming up. It's a repeat that is a purpose planning session where part of that is we look at our life balance. We look at what are our spiritual gifts and what is our calling, and then we look at our life balance and how are the different aspects of our life helping or hindering us in going towards what God has us to do, and then where we see things that we need to fortify, how do we fortify them, and things that we need to fix and strongholds that we need to kind of get past, how can we work around those obstacles so that we're not just living or being beneath what God has, but we're able and equipped to go after whatever that specific work is that he has for us to do. So it's all about getting towards your potential, and for a lot of people, um, our health and our, 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 our lifestyle is kind of hindering that. So that's a big focus of it, but it's not the, totali- uh, the totality of what we do um, in the wellness organization. Okay, wonderful. I love uh, working with people with their purpose I, and their potential. I just It's something about it that just excites me, you know, and just motivates me, especially when they know what it is and maybe don't know, maybe don't know how to get started or what to do. It's just something very rewarding about helping a person come to terms or get a clear understanding about what it is God wants them to do. Um, in the earth, and so I'm just ex- I'm so excited that you were on um, today. How can the listening audience uh, get in touch with you uh, in, in for maybe you know uh, coaching sessions as well as to purchase your book? 
Sure. Um, all of the information and, and our outreach and services, you can find details at our website, which is nettyjohnson.com. That's N-E-T-T-Y-E johnson.com. Um, there's also links there for the book um, for any upcoming programs for on, online tra trainings. Um, I have a blog and I do videos periodically, and there are also links to my social media channels. So everything can be housed right there at nettyjohnson.com. Okay, wonderful. And I know you've done several book signings uh, in the city. And uh, do you have any? Do you have one coming up soon, or other than the? Where is the the um, the workshop is it a workshop you just told us about the purpose planning sure that's a workshop it's going to be saturday april 1st it's an evening okay. workshop and it's at la madeline's on jefferson highway in baton rouge a dinner is included you'll have a great move, uh, meal um but it starts at 6 30 um and goes through 8 30 on april 1st and there are details and the ability to sign up and register that one one of the things that's very important, we did a, a this is a repeat session. I offered one and got mm -hmm. um, such great feedback that um, I'm offering it again. And one of the intents is that we really keep it small because mm -hmm. we want to dig deep. We want to be able to really unpack questions that people have and to create relationships, not only, you know, me with the folks that are coming, but more importantly, supportive relationships with the individuals that are in the workshop. So, to make sure that it is as interactive and engaging as possible, we keep the group size small. So if you're interested, please do check it out and sign up. Um, I, I'm really just, I, I'm just overjoyed with, you know, the light bulb moments that we were seeing with people, you know, going off when they were just really looking at what's going on in their life from a, a different perspective and having other folks, too, who are also, you know, goal-oriented or really just, seeking to be their best weighing in. You know, sometimes we need the counsel of others. We need the perspective of others. Sometimes that can be helpful to help us to see where we are and how we can navigate a little bit differently along that path to where God wants us to be. So it, it was, it, it's a, it, the last one was a blessing, and we're just praying and expecting that um, God will do great things in this upcoming one as well. Wonderful, wonderful. So we do have a lot of people on the phone line uh, that called in by phone. So uh, are you open to taking uh, questions? Sure, sure, definitely. Okay. So if you're on the phone line and you have a question for Nettie, maybe it's about her upcoming program or her book or what she talked about as it relates to health, all you have to do um, on your phone is uh, pull up your uh, dial pad and hit the number one, and um, the, the board indicates to me that you have a question, and I'll bring you on live, and you can ask her a question if you have a question. Maybe you're on the phone line and you're interested maybe in becoming a health coach yourself. Maybe she can help you with that. But if you um, are on the line and you have a question that you would like to ask her, please hit the number one. And um, and then I will bring you on. And um, and so we do have uh, someone, and so let's just go ahead and take them. Hello, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I thoroughly enjoyed your um, your service this morning. Uh, it was very enlightening. Uh, one thing I, I really um, touched base back with um, my sister-in-law as a therapist, and you were talking about the plate, the size of the plate, the color of the plate, and it hit home. And uh, I need really need to work on um, portions. Mm -hmm. uh, I love to cook. And I love to see everybody else enjoy, but sometimes I see some of them overeat. So I need to go back to where uh, do more portion size and not let them, because I'm not helping them; I'm hurting them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think that portion uh, portion size is is a, is a challenge for a lot of folks, and you and. I'm going to put myself in that if if left to my own devices and and if I'm not mindful, um, I tend to be a volume eater. You know, I'm I'm almost five ten, so I you know, and I've always been kind of a big person. I've had a big appetite, and I just love food. So here's some <laughs> tips that, <laughs> that that food is good. So let me give you a couple of tips and um, 
coming from my personal experience and also from research that I've done. The biggest change okay. that helped me with my portion control and, and period was, first of all, instead of saying grace before eating and just reciting some grace, to actually pray and mean what I say. Now, I don't mean you have to go into a long and elaborate prayer. It doesn't have to be that. But let me just give you an example. For okay. years, I was taught to say before you eat, thank you, Lord, for the food I'm about to receive, nourish my body in the name of Jesus, amen. Did you say something similar? That's a really popular one. You, you remember that? Right? Exactly. Right. That's right. Okay. I, I've been saying this for years, and I remember one time after I said that, I heard the Holy Spirit say so clearly to me, Nettie, you're asking me to bless this food to nourish your body, but you didn't put anything nourishing on this plate. I was like, Lord, have mercy. Yes, so what I realized, come on now, that wasn't me. That was the Holy Spirit. He was like, why am I asking you to do something? that?" So what I did is, first of all, before I eat, I don't go into a long prayer, but I really mean what I pray. And so when I'm struggling with portions, so if it's something that I'm about to eat, and I know that it's something that I can tend to overeat, my prayer is very simple. Holy Spirit, let me know when to stop. That's simple. But I mean it. And what that does is it puts me in a level of consciousness that I'm paying attention to what I'm eating. Now, when I don't do that, then I'm not paying attention. I'm not asking God to help. And that's when that situation can happen where I done started with a bag of popcorn and I done ate the whole thing and I didn't notice it. <laughs> what I, you see what I mean? When we don't invite God yeah. in and, and make it a God thing, I, and I'm acknowledging, Lord, you know that I like this. Help me to hear you when I done had enough. So that's the first thing that can do can help. And, and if it's in a situation where maybe I'm at a place where there's all kinds of stuff that I know is maybe a trigger food for me, or I know that you know how some things you can eat them and you know you're going to feel bad afterwards because you know you don't, it doesn't agree with you, but you eat it anyway. Like when I want to stop those things, my prayer then is, Lord, um, I'm not going to ask you to necessarily bless the food. Please bless my food choices. You know what I'm saying? Like I literally talk to him just like that. Like this is what is going on. And when you do those things, he is an ever-present help. We're inviting his help in. So the first thing is to pray about your portions and really mean it. The second thing with portion control is to slow down when you eat. Now, this goes into the science aspect. It takes approximately 20 minutes for the signal from our, our gut, from the digestion ash, digestive portion of our bodies, to send a signal back to our brains to say that we've had enough food. Most of the time, if you're like me, I'm done and wash the dishes in 20 minutes because I would eat too fast, right? So you're not giving yourself the signal to know that, hey, there's enough food in here. If you slow down, and I talk about that in the chapter where I say experience food, if you slow down and really notice the textures and notice the taste and you're grateful for this bounty and this gift that God gave, you're slowing down and Amen. you won't tend to eat as much. We tend to overeat when we eat fast. The last thing um, that I think that really comes when it has to do with portions is if you simply do a smaller plate and put smaller, you're going to automatically put less food on the plate. Have you noticed how, like, <laughs> this cracks me up about Piccadilly. If, if you're listening and you're in another area of the country where you don't have Piccadilly, Piccadilly is like this cafeteria plate where you go and you, they have the food behind this, this you know, mm -hmm. screen thing and they serve the food up for you. And it cracks me up all the time that when you go to Piccadilly, when you get your main entree, which is typically meat, and like down here it's like smothered something, it comes on this plate that's actually like the size of a platter. I mean, like the big old hunk of meat with all this gravy and stuff slopped all over it. But then when they give you the vegetables, they're in these itty-bitty little tiny bowls. Am I telling the truth? Yes. We need to flip the script on that, right? Because with the portion, you notice you eat a little bit of vegetables and you're good. But they, So when you get a small plate, and what I did is I went and got the prettiest plate. If you check me out on Instagram at, at Nettie Johnson, you can see pictures of my food. I try to make food gorgeous, and I put it on small plates because, y'all, I love food. But I'm experiencing the food with my eyes, with my sense of smell. With It's a, it's a whole experience versus me eating, you know, a McDonald's combo meal number nine out of a bag that I'm not really paying attention to. Does that kind of make sense? So, pray what you mean, 
slow down and enjoy the food. Really take the time to enjoy it. All of those can help with portion control. Thank you so much. Now, you know, Nettie. You're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. When you mentioned that about Piccadilly, you can now, you know, if you're on the phone and you're from here, you can actually visualize that, you know. And even if yeah. you're at Piccadilly and you're with, a, let's say, a friend or you're there by yourself trying to enjoy it, you run out of the vegetable or the, in the little smaller things before you run out of the meat. And you're like, wow, right. is that all they gave? Yeah, you're like, wait, 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 what are the rest of my vegetables, you know. Exactly. You're, exactly. you're trying to enjoy and, it. And, go ahead. Well, and, and, and I tie this back to biblical principles as well. So here's the biblical principle. The biblical principle, if we even think about the prodigal, the prodigal son, the farther we get from the, the father's hand of provision, the more trouble we get into. Think about it. When the prodigal son was with his father, everything was great, but he didn't know it was great. And when he went out into the far land, he had all kinds of problems. He ended up coming back. So let's take this to food. When God created us initially in the Garden of Eden, when he created Adam and Eve, and he gave them everything to eat, man was initially a vegetarian. He gave us all of this vegetation to eat, and we didn't actually start eating meat until after the flood. So I'm not – now, I personally am a vegetarian. I'm, I'm, I don't encourage everybody to be a vegetarian um, because you have to – you know, there are things that you have to do when you're a vegetarian to make sure that you get enough protein and so on and so forth. But here's the basic principle. If we eat foods closer to the way God put them here for us, that is a, a principle that I use in my philosophy. That takes us away from eating so much processed food to eating more natural foods. Meat actually becomes not the star of your plate if you eat meat. It needs to be the, the side character. And the vegetables and the grains and the things that are closer to the way God put them here become the star. Because here's how I put this in my mind. Um, I, I try to have a garden every year. To me, it is a gift from God. When I can go outside and I can pick a cherry tomato off that vine, and, y'all, I don't even wash it. I'm going to tell the truth. I just wipe it on my pants. I know that's, that's pitiful. I just wipe it on my pants, you know, to clean it off, and I pop that in my mouth, and you get the pop of the fruit. You get the, the squirt of the juice. There's that sweetness and that tartness. Like, literally, to me, that's a beautiful thing. You can do the same thing with a cucumber. You can do the same thing with an apple. But for you to get that smothered pork chop, let's think about how many steps have to happen before. The pig has to be killed. The blood has to be drained. They have to cure the meat. Then you have to cook the meat. And look at how we cook it. First we season it. Then we bread it. Then we fry it. Then we take some more grease and flour and we make a gravy. Then we put the meat back in the gravy and we let it cook. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. We're putting all of these steps into this food, and the bottom line is that smothered pork chop is not as healthy for you as a salad or some rice. So when we base our plate where we're eating more directly from the bounty that God creates, things that are closer to, to the way God put them here, in the nutrition field they call that clean eating, there are volumes of studies that show that clean eating is healthy for you. So if we flip it and make the vegetables and the fruits and the grains and the things that God put here directly and put the process and the hooked up stuff and make that be treats that we have in moderation, weight will come off, weight will be able to maintain more better, your health will be better, your skin will improve. It's just a better way from simply getting closer to God's hand when it comes to the food. Eat a peach instead of peach cobbler sometimes, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and we'll see how our, our, our lives can change. It's that, it, it can be that simple. It can really be that simple. Wonderful. What uh, I mean, I've had an awesome time talking to you on the show um, today. I'm just blessed, and I'm sure everyone who's on the phone line in the chat room have uh, been blessed as well. And so we're down to our last minute. So I want you to give them the website address again. The website is Nettie, N-E-T-T-Y-E, Johnson.com, NettieJohnson.com. Okay, wonderful. There you can go and find everything that you want to know about Nettie. You can get in contact with her. You can. There's a link for the book. Join her social media pages. Follow her, all those things. Um, and you can also, you know, um, if you're on the email list, uh, we we'll certainly uh, will send uh, out, or if you follow me on social media, we're going to put the replay link out 
um, on there. So you can listen to this again because this show was filled with valuable, valuable information as all of the rest of them have been for National Women's History Month. So, Nettie, once again, I want to thank you so much for joining us on today and empowering us with uh, your wisdom. And I want to encourage everyone, please go and purchase. Put your faith where your fork is. Let's bless her and purchase the book. So God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us today. And on that note, we are. Do you have any final comments before we close? Just, just thank you very much for having me. And all things through Christ, all things, whatever your struggle is, your challenge, surrender it to him. It is possible through Christ. You can do it. Amen. Amen. So once again, everybody, thank you so much for joining us. Have an awesome kind of day. And we'll talk to you on the next show. God bless you. Thank you.